Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Father, we pray for true holiness and that you would rebuke us, chasten us, and remove any feign, tempt at holiness, any falsity about us, God, but that we would denounce the hidden things of dishonesty, as Paul said, Lord, and to be sincere in heart toward you, because you said we're to fear the Lord in sincerity and in truth, God. We ask you to circumcise our hearts, cut away the things that don't belong, and do the work that only you can do. Only your hand can reach into the human heart and circumcise it, God. And uh, you said we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice only in Christ Jesus, not in ourselves or anyone else and have no confidence in the flesh. Lord, we ask you to bless us tonight, right now, to be uh, sentenced to death, to be denied, even self and self-will to be denied because you must increase and we must decrease. Cut away, God, cut away, do away with, root out, pluck down, destroy anything in our hearts and lives that does not belong to you, God. In the name of Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you. Thank you, Lord, for blessing our hearts to receive with meekness the engrafted word in Jesus' holy name. God wants us full of joy. Huh? What? Yeah, absolutely. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. And you ask the Father in his name, John 16, 23, and 24. And so we know by that statement that Jesus wants our joy to be full. In fact, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory at Jesus Christ, according to 1 Peter 1, verse 8. And that is right in the context of suffering, persecutions, and trials. You see, the problem is, brothers and sisters, with a lot of people that are teaching people how to be glad, have their best life now, having a purpose-driven life, basically living the way you want and, you know, without the Lordship of Christ. The problem with that is that they're trying to circumvent the cross. They're trying to circumvent all suffering, the desert experience where God purges you of things that don't belong in your life. That's the biblical way. That's God's way. First, you got a Jeremiah 1.10. Man, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this and memorize the scripture and where it is. Put it on the index card, King James Version, with the reference, and write it out on an index card. This is the way the Lord works. See, I have, God tells Jeremiah, his servant, as he would tell you right now and I, see, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to do what? To root out. What's the first thing? To root out, to pull down, to destroy. First three things are surgical or surgical.
circumcising, removal, destroying, rooting out, pulling down. And then the last two are what? To throw down. Oh, well, there's four first four. The first four have to do with removal, rooting out, pulling down, destroying, throwing down, getting rid of. And then what? To build and to plant. Six things here. The first four, by divine design, are to remove the things from our lives and our hearts that do not belong. In fact, God wants us involved in that. He says that we're to cast down imaginations, right? And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, get rid of any thought, any philosophy, any tradition that does not come straight out of the Word of God. Allow the Lord to speak for Himself in making Himself known to you through His Word only and by His Spirit. A lot of people have created a God in their own image, one that suits their own likeness. We see that throughout Scripture, too. This is what's called vain imaginations. That's why we got to cast down imaginations, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. And everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Cast down an image, imagination, any image, any philosophy, tradition, doctrine that creates the image of a false God because it doesn't come from the pure Word of God. We've got to cast those things down. We've got to root them out, pull them down, destroy them, and throw them down. You know, there comes a time in a disciple's life when he has to just clear the table, figuratively speaking. He's got to just decide that he only wants to know and believe the Word of God, what God says about himself in his Word. He sets all other men, men aside. He sets all his commentaries aside. He sets all of the books or CDs or whatever he's learned and the TV preachers or whoever, and he says, I am going to get in the Word of God, and I'm going to allow my heart and mind to be washed by the water of the Word. Amen? The Bible says every Word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Proverbs 30, verse 5. So, the principle here is to root out, pull down, destroy, and throw down, and then to build and to plant. See, God wants to get rid of some things that we have espoused. Not one of us is pure of all these things. The Bible says, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, uh, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. You see, not only the flesh, but the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That tells us a few things. One of them is that you can have filthiness in your spirit. That can be any one of the works of the flesh, which Jesus said, proceed out of a wicked heart. Mark 7, Matthew 15, and in the works of the flesh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, all of those sins are rooted and grounded in the heart, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That's the old man, which we're to put off, according to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, what we read there earlier. Why don't you read that? Beginning in verse 20, Ephesians 4, 20. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So true holiness. Notice that term. I like that. Bracketed that. True holiness. True holiness. What God does is he cleans us from the inside out. God does a work in a person's life to bring about holiness from the inside out. That's how he saved us, right? By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. When you regenerate something, you make it alive again. Men can understand that a little bit better than women probably because it's a mechanical term. Regenerate. Not just generate, but regenerate. Make alive a dead heart that is uh, alienated from the life of God, which we read a few verses, there's actually a few verses before this, which is before you were saved. Ephesians 5, 26 says, talking about Jesus Christ, that he 
he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Amen. That he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Amen. This is the church that he's preparing for his soon return, right? Yes. Why don't you read verse 25, 25. through 27 again? 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Amen. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without. So what kind of church is Jesus preparing that will be ready for his return and that he's coming back for? Verse 27. Holy and without blemish. Read it again. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You know, without spot. You know, the Bible says, having therefore these promises, dear beloved, and one of those promises is that God is going to destroy anyone who dies in sin. We are to be prepared by the washing of water by the word. Amen. Jesus is saying, if we're not being prepared by the washing of water by the word, we're not prepared for his soon return. We're not prepared to meet him. It doesn't matter how good a church member we are or how many small groups we go to. There's hope in that. Yeah. First John 3, 3. Speaking of the soon return of Jesus, the Bible says, every one, every man that has this hope, the hope of his soon return in him, purifieth himself even as he is pure. Let every man, everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. The Bible tells us that God cannot be tempted with evil. So any stain of sin, any blemish, any spot that we have on the robes of the perfect righteousness that he originally gave us is due to our own deliberate sin. Listen, uh, James 1, 13 through 15 settles this issue with a death nail or with force, if you will. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Is that clear or what? God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Oh, of his own lust. Mm -hmm. And enticed. Mm -hmm. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Death, spiritual death. All right, we're back in Ephesians and we're reading in chapter 5 about husbands who are commanded to love their wives and follow Christ's example in that he loved the church, the body of Christ, and gave himself for it. He actually gave himself to purchase the body of Christ unto the Father. And husbands are to lead the way spiritually in their family. He's talking about wives and husbands. This is the family unit. This came before the church. God put together Adam and Eve before there was any church. And God says that he set the solitary in families. Gentlemen, we are to, if, especially if you're married, to lay down our lives for our wives. Lay down our lives in obedience to the Lord and by his grace daily to deny ourselves, take up a cross and follow Christ, to cry with John the Baptist, Lord, you must increase, I must decrease. God wants us to get low, to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and then he'll lift us up and bring about the victory in every area that we're lacking that victory. It's only by his resurrection power that victory can come about, which Paul speaks much about. In fact, he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, that we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Why? That we wouldn't won't trust in ourselves, but in God. Amen? Right. Amen. It says in Judges chapter 7, verse 2 says, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Read that again. Judges 7, verse 2. 
And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Amen. Zechariah 4, 6, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. There's a lot of people that are striving to live the Christian life. That's absolutely impossible. God wants us to obey the Lord Jesus Christ, who said to deny yourself. If you're going to follow him, you got to not try to live the Christian life, but deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Then when you uh, your life is laid down, the Lord is going to raise you up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So then, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you, verse 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. So we are raised up. That term, I believe, but my memory serves me right, appears like 43 times or 41 times in the Holy Scriptures. Raised up. In fact, one of our books is called Raised Up. It's all about this death, burial, and resurrection in the daily life of the disciple as the scriptures reveal. Isaiah 37, 31 says, And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward, bear fruit upward. Now notice the remnant. Jesus is coming back for a remnant. And that's going to be those who escape. Remember Jesus spoke about being worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. Luke 21, 34 through 36. There's only a few that are going to escape all these things that shall come to pass. A few among the house of uh, Judah, among those who claim to know the Lord. Only a few. Notice the remnant and the remnant that is escaped out of the house of Judah. Judgment has begun at the house of God, or that which claims to be the house of God. And it's only a remnant that are going to escape. And how are they going to escape? By doing what? Taking root downward and bearing fruit upward. That's how the kingdom of God works. Taking root downward and bearing fruit upward. Didn't Jesus say, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die and abide the Lord? But if it dies and goes into the ground, it's going to bear much fruit. John 12, 24. This is the picture that the Holy Spirit would give to us in being fruitful in abiding in Christ. We've got to take root downward and bear fruit upward. It's, uh, we read last week, it says in 2 Corinthians 1, 9, it says, but we had descendants of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. Now, let's talk about that verse. Second Corinthians 1. That's very important. I encourage everybody to write that down on the index card with the reference and memorize it. Now, how is it that we're not going to trust in ourselves? By doing what? Sentencing ourselves to death. Deciding every day that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by my own power. No, by the faith of the Son of God. I live. That's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Amen? So, taking root downward, again, that's Isaiah 37, 31. And the remnant that has escaped of the house of Judah shall, again, take root downward and bear fruit upward. There is going to be major persecutions that's going to be going on and increasing, and it's already happening in this last hour. Jesus said that because iniquity in the very final days would abound, the love of many would wax cold their love for God, and therefore their love for his people. That's how it works. We love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, vertical first. Then we love our neighbor.
neighbor as ourself. Horizontal. I can't love my neighbor if I don't love God. Because God is love. I'm not love. You're not love. God is love. And he that dwelleth in God or dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. First John 4 verse 16. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. If you're dwelling in love, it's tangible proof, absolute proof that you're dwelling in him who is love. Amen. Now, Paul is speaking in 2 Corinthians 4 as we were looking and let's back up a little bit to like verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 and begin reading through like verse 14. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed or perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto, unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have in the same spirit of faith, putting as is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. You know, the only people that are going to make it through all of these persecutions, Paul's saying here that he was troubled on every side, verse 8, distressed, perplexed, in despair, suffering great trial and temptations and persecution. Then he says, verse 9, persecuted, but not forsaken, even though men are persecuting him for Christ's sake, he's not forsaken of God. Amen. The Lord will always be with his people. And this is the picture of those who are taking root downward and bearing fruit upwards, who are going to be rescued and escape out of the remnant. Again, that's coming out of Isaiah 37, 31, which I want you to write down and make that a life verse. The only way that you and I are going to escape out of the remnant, out of the midst of those who claim, the midst of the great body of people who claim to know the Lord, is to do what? Take root downward and bear fruit upward. We see this picture right here. Paul is under great, what? Trouble on every side, hitting him from every angle. I mean, I felt like that in recent months, coming from every... Pressed out of measure. Exactly. Pressed out of measure, man. Just hit, just lambasted from every side. And we'll go to chapter 6 in just a second. 2 Corinthians is an absolute masterpiece. Christian, if you're listening to me, whether here or there, 2 Corinthians is an absolute masterpiece. Is any book in the Bible not a masterpiece? No. But there's so much wealth in it. I want to encourage you to pour over 2 Corinthians a book and put yourself as a disciple in Paul's shoes and in the shoes of those with him because he speaks plurality. We, notice, we are troubled. Him and the true remnant believers that were with him are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. In another place, he said, we're, we're treated as the off-scouring of the earth, man. If it doesn't, well, that's a horrible picture, isn't it? That was of men, of the Antichrist people, religious people. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about. And this is how you make it through. You take root downward, as we read in Isaiah 37-31. Always bearing about. In, always, not sometimes. Remember Paul said, I keep, it's a constant thing, under my body. And bring it into subjection, lest by any means, I myself, after I've preached to others, should become a castaway. That simply means he would be ultimately cast away from the Lord, even after he did all that ministry. If he fell away by not keeping under his body and continuing to always bear about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that is, taking root downward, amen, so that he can be raised up in the resurrection power of the Spirit. Remember Romans 8, 
11, he that raised up Jesus from the dead is also going to raise us up. Isn't that what he said? Romans 8, 11. And he's going to do that as we bear about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that in taking root downward, that the life also of Jesus, how many people know Jesus is the life, amen? That the life also of Jesus, he's the resurrection and the life, John chapter 11, verse 25, might be made manifest in our bodies. See, as we bear about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, in other words, as we identify him in his death, with him in his death, by being crucified to self-will and all that is of self, God is going to raise us up by his power. Now, this is when the victory is going to start happening in your life and never before. Those cotton candy preachers who are telling you that, you know, to live your best life now and God just wants to bless you and, you know, God's whole, whole approach, according to them, is to just see how much he can bless you. You know, that's another Jesus. That's a false God. And that's not God's path to blessing. God's path to blessing is through the cross. Judges 5 verse 2 says, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. That's right. So when we willingly offer ourselves in obedience to the Lord, present ourselves to him a living sacrifice. Sacrifice, hello. That's holy and acceptable unto God. He's going to raise us up in his power and give us the victory. God has the full intention of giving every one of his children the full victory, but it's going to have to be God's way. It's not going to be our way. And that's the problem right now. A lot of people are confused. They're bewildered. They're being misled. They're being beguiled and they don't know why. And it's because they're trying to get blessed some other way other than that which God prescribed. And the way God prescribed is the, through the cross. The blessing is always going to come through the cross. So always bearing about the in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. How many people want the life of Jesus made manifest in their mortal flesh? How's that going to happen? Always being delivered unto death. And you get a lot of help because the persecution really pushes you to Jesus if you're a true remnant disciple. And it helps you realize the need to continue to take root downward, to be planted in the soil of the Lord, to abide in Him, in fellowship, because you're being attacked. And your Bible says when you go through these dark periods that you're to stay upon the Lord your God, Isaiah 50 verse 10, to cling tighter. You know, recently I heard somebody comment that these persecutions make you want to go home. Amen. Go home to be with the Lord. Hebrews 13, 14 says we here we have here on earth. We have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Amen. And that's a literal city, the new Jerusalem that's coming down from heaven. I want you to read about that in Revelation 21 and 22, the last two chapters of the Bible. And man, if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. Amen. God is actually going to dwell with his people in New Jerusalem. Which people is that going to be? The remnant that escapes out of the midst of those who claim to know the Lord. There's only going to be a few. Or Jesus yeah. says, many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. And he said he's going to separate the tares from the wheat. They look the same, but only the wheat bears fruit. The tear doesn't bear any fruit. And remember, be not deceived. God is not mocked. God can't be fooled. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You know, we read in Ephesians <laughs> chapter 4, verse 24 earlier. I believe it's verse 24, 25. 25, actually. We read the term true holiness. True holiness. See, there's a true holiness and there's a fake holiness. Bible says that without, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. First Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification 
reputation and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also have forewarned you and testified, for God hath not called us uncleanness, but unto holiness. Verse 8. Verse 8. He therefore that despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. Verse 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. That's a really good one to memorize. Now he's talking specifically about the uncleanness of fornication, and he even mentions concupiscence. In Colossians 3, he mentions the sin of evil concupiscence, which is defined as the secret desire for that which is forbidden. So I may not be, and this goes back to the, the true holiness. I can look like I'm living a holy life to men, but if I so much as have lust of concupiscence or secret desire for that which is forbidden, the world calls it fantasy. They try to legitimize and validate as Satan, the God of this world would have, something that God calls sin. Let me tell you folks, we got to find out what God says is sin, what God says is true holiness, and what is evil. In the eyes of him who is what? Holy, holy, holy. As I've said before, I'm going to say it again, that so much of our theology dismisses and ignores, completely ignores the biblical truth that God is holy, holy, holy. That must be firmly, deeply steeped in our spirit, in our heart, and in all our thinking, that God is holy, holy, holy. And the Bible says that twice, Old Testament and New. The Bible never repeats any other of the many attributes of God three times in a row, much less doing it twice. God wanted to make a point. That's Isaiah 6.3 and Revelation 4.8. Isaiah 6.3 and Revelation 4, verse 8. God will punish all sinners as he demonstrates and tells us throughout the scriptures. There are going to be many that say, Lord, Lord, on that day. That's going to be the terrors. That's going to be those among the remnant, excuse me, among the house of Judah, claiming to be the people of God, who are not the remnant. Why? Because they didn't take root downward so that they could bear fruit upward. They lived the Christian life, per se. They went to church. They went to small groups. They had the outward appearance. They didn't have true holiness. That only comes from truly abiding in a relationship with Jesus Christ. John 15, abide in me. What's that psalm? It says, harden not your hearts in the day of provocation or rebellion. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, saith the Lord. It's good. It's good. About uh, in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 17, Paul says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth, henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, to the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart or hardness because they hardened their hearts toward the Lord who are being past feeling have given themselves given themselves I mean as we talked about earlier the Lord tempts nobody God tempts nobody but we're tempted of our own selves drawn away of our own lust and enticed giving themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness God has not called us uncleanness but unto holiness Amen. to work all uncleanness with greediness it goes on to say in verse 20 but you have not so learned Christ if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off this concerning the former conversation of the old man as the other Gentiles walk according to the deceitful lusts which is corrupt and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which after God's created in righteousness and true holiness. Amen. So we're to put off what? The former way of life. The old man. Verse 22 right? Which is what? Corrupt according to the deceit.
deceitful lust. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. That's the uncircumcised, the unregenerate heart or the heart that's been regenerated and is not walking in obedience to the Lord, not walking in the light. First John 1, 7, if we walk, if, if we walk in the light, it's contingent upon this condition. If we walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, us and Jesus. Hello. And the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. So if you're not in the light, the good news is that you can repent right now. You can stop where you're at and you can lift your hands and your heart, most importantly, to the Lord and return to him, confessing that you've gone your own way. You've had idols in your life. You've had another God before him. And that begins with having yourself or any other false God or idol and just resubmitting yourself fully and wholly to the Lord, drawing nigh to him and he will draw nigh to you, humbling yourself in the sight of the Lord, laying down your life, begging him to fill you, to forgive you, to take over your whole life, full and complete, unreserved repentance. That's what repentance really is. And may God grant to every one of us, especially those in need and that are backslidden, uh, the gift of repentance. Amen. So again, true holiness that's only produced by the work of the Spirit of God in the believer that is abiding in Christ. That's true holiness, not trying like the Pharisees to clean the outside of the cup to fake people out. They were living to please people, not the Lord. That's the difference between a Pharisee or an actor and a true disciple, remnant disciple. A true disciple realizes, like Paul, that there's no good thing that dwells in him, Romans 7, 18. So what does he do? He cries out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And he takes root downward so that God might raise him up and he can bear fruit upward. Fruit is very important to God and it's the evidence of relationship. John 15 speaks of Jesus's desire for us to bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and that our fruit should remain, verse 16. I was going to read 1 Thessalonians 3.12. It says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Amen. To the end, he might what? He may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God. Amen. That's 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you to the end. In other words, this is the chief purpose of this. That he may establish your hearts. God wants to establish our hearts unblameable in holiness. That's God's the only one that can do that. Before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how the return of Jesus is wrapped up and tied together with holiness. Amen. That's 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12 and 13. Amen. That's a theme we see throughout Scripture. In fact, Jesus speaking in Luke 21, speaking of his soon return, it says this, and take heed to yourselves. This is Luke 21, 34 through 36, and take heed to yourselves, personal responsibility. Remember, Revelation 19, 7 says that the bride hath made herself ready. I can't make anybody else ready, but I can make myself ready. I can choose to be ready myself. Amen. It's a personal responsibility. Jesus, that's a truth taught throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And take heed to yourselves. You can easily read right over that and miss it. Take heed to yourselves. This is personal responsibility. Lest at any time, 
Your hearts, your what? Your hearts be overcharged or weighed down with surfeiting. That means overeating or overindulgence, surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. Cares of this life. They might not even be things that are sinful. Worries, anxieties, concerns, concerns. Yeah, the deceitful, the lust of other things, Jesus said, right? Jesus spoke of the lust of other things, which chokes out the word, makes it unfruitful. In other words, ultimately makes you outside of the kingdom, makes you a tear instead of the wheat and removes you from God's kingdom because you didn't count, you didn't keep Jesus as your first love, right? Revelation 2, 4, and 5. You got some? No? Okay. So, surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day, amen, he's coming as a thief, like a thief in the night, come upon you unawares or at a time that you're not suspecting it because you have fallen asleep. Bible says, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. Amen. All right. Verse 35. What's that say? For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Snare. That's a trap. You know how quick traps go off? They go off very fast. That's the picture here. They instantly go off. So if you're not ready, you're going to be caught in the trap. What's verse 36 say? Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Amen. So Jesus tells us how we can be accounted worthy. It's not automatic. How we can be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man or stand in the presence of the living God eternally. Amen. How do you do that? What's the first part of the verse say? What do you do to be accounted worthy? Wash ye therefore and pray. Pray always. How's our prayer life? Do we live? We have a life of prayer. Not just a little devotional in the morning, but a life of prayer. Your time in the morning sealed off before the Lord all alone. Matthew 6, 6 is the model Jesus taught. Speaking with and communing with the Lord is so vital. It launches us into a day of walking in the Spirit, which includes praying without ceasing, abiding in Christ, fellowshipping with the Lord, and walking in His light. Amen? This is the remnant disciple who is taking root downward and is going to be bearing fruit upward by the power of the Holy Ghost and ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Amen? Look at chapter 12. Let's look at chapter 12 here of uh, the book of Luke. Luke 12. We're going to read verse 35 through 40. And this is speaking of the soon return of our Lord Jesus Christ. 35 through 40, Luke 12. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. Loins girded about deals with serving. Amen? Remember Jesus girded himself about in John 13 before and as he was going to wash his disciples' feet. So let your loins be girded about. Man, he is the greatest among you is going to be what? The servant of all Jesus taught. Do we even stop to employ in an act the simple truths of Scripture and the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are we so busy trying to be known as the guy or the girl that's got all the revelation or that has some kind of this or that that uh, is wrecking? What are we doing? God wants us to stop. Stop dead in our tracks and re-examine ourselves. Examine ourselves to see whether we're even in the faith. And I can tell you this, that if I'm not growing as a servant of God and His people, I'm not growing at all. I better check myself and make sure I'm saved because I'm not taking root downward. The Bible says in Philippians 2 verse 3 through 5 that we're to prefer others above ourselves. We aren't to be doing our own bidding and seeing 
how much we can get and do and be? No. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. This is the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. Amen. I want you to write that down, put it on the index card, memorize it, read it, pour over it for the next five days. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. We're in Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 40. Jesus says what? Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Be ready, huh? Amen. Blessed are those servants. Hebrews 9, 28 says that Jesus is coming back for those that are looking for him. If you're not looking for him, you're not ready. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. Amen. What's verse 38 say, brother? And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find him so, blessed are those servants. Amen. So when he comes, those that are watching, those that are ready are going to be blessed. Remember the parable of the 10 virgins where five, the kingdom of heaven was likened unto 10 virgins, but only five were ready and five were shut out. Now answer, what's verse 39 and 40 say? And this know that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Amen. Wow. Yesterday's tomorrow is today. Amen. Be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh in an hour when you think not. That's a good memory verse. That's Luke 12 40. Be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh in an hour when you think not. Now part of being a disciple of Jesus is everything you learn, you are to teach others. Amen. You are to teach others. Jesus said to us, that's you and me, that name his name, that we're to go teach everybody else we can everything he taught at the end of the book of Matthew, right? It's not enough to see if you're really fellowship with Christ in a real way, you're freely receiving of him and you're also freely giving. If you don't have a desire to get other people, first of all, to build up the body of Christ and to exhort them is so much the more as you see the day approaching with Christ and have fellowship with him, then something's wrong. If you don't have a desire to pour out on others, the blessed grace and truth of Jesus Christ, something's wrong. And if you don't desire to see others saved, to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a serious problem and a need for repentance, truly returning to the Lord. Now, listen to what 1 Timothy 4, verse 6 and 16 says. If thou put the, that's why we're talking about memorizing these scriptures, incorporating them into our own lives and letting the Lord bring forth his fruit by these scriptures, his truth. 1 Timothy 4, 6, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, a good servant. Are you a good servant of Jesus Christ? Well, are you bringing the brethren into remembrance of his word? That's how you become a good servant or minister of Jesus Christ is by feeding his sheep. Amen. Mm-hmm. Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast to take. God wants us nourished, spiritually nourished. You know, some brothers and I were talking around some other guys the other day, and we were talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and how good he was. Well, the next time I saw one of the guys that is backslidden the next day, and he, he goes, man, I got to tell you, he told us, he goes, man, y'all were talking about the Lord yesterday. I got so convicted, man. I went home and read the Bible. A little while later, he took me outside and he goes, man, I got to tell you, he goes, just listen to me. I, I read Second Kings chapter whatever, and he went through the whole story of Naaman and Gehazi and, and Elijah and, and, 
it was fascinating. I just stood there smiling, listened to him, pouring all of this understanding and knowledge out. So anyway, the word of God bears fruit. Amen. It resounds out from us. Precious seed. It's the precious seed. Amen. And we're to be nourished up, nourished up. You know how many times we feed our bodies and how we're to eat good nutrients, good fresh vegetables and fruits and nuts and <laughs> good meats and turkey and chicken and fish and, you know, all the good stuff, right? Good, clean, fresh water, juices. That's how God wants us spiritually more than anything, you see? Because the Bible says bodily exercise or health profits a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit, but godliness is profitable in all things and that other people are going to see it, it says in that passage. But you see, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, God wants us continually nourished up in the word. You won't be able to hold it back. Jeremiah says this way that he had eaten of the Lord's word and it was like fire shut up in his bones. He was weary of withholding. He had to let it rip, you know, uh, Jeremiah 20 verse 9. Jeremiah also said in 15, 16, Jeremiah 15, 16, thy words were found and I did eat them. He feasted on them. He ingested them and thy words were unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Amen. You want joy? You want the countenance that God gave you to be full of his light and his beauty? Man, if you get the word in your heart and you rejoice and choose to be humbled and contrite before the Lord, then God is going to use you greatly. Amen. To bring the brethren in remembrance of the word of God as a good servant of Jesus Christ, always nourished up in the words of faith and good doctrine. Amen. Sound doctrine, good doctrine. That's biblical terms. Whereunto thou hast attained. See, as you study and devour the word of God, you're going to attain unto truth, good doctrine. Amen. That's 1 Timothy 4, 6. And then verse 16, same chapter, 1 Timothy 4, 16. It says, take heed to thyself. There it is again, personal responsibility. Take heed to thyself. Take heed unto thyself. That's where it starts, your relationship with God. Amen. And unto the doctrine. You know the Bible, the real Bible, the King James, has the word doctrine in it 51 times. Wow. You think doctrine's important? Yeah. Especially good doctrine and sound doctrine, which are also verbatim phrases in the King James. Take heed. Again, this is 1 Timothy 4, 16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Amen. Continuing them. It's an ongoing thing till you with Jesus. Amen. Never let up. Never slow down. Never look back. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear it. You're going to be saved through abiding in the word of God. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Beloved, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you are going to reap, if you faint not. The Bible tells us in Luke 18, 1, that men are always to pray and not to faint. Amen? Perseverance in prayer. Perseverance in a life abiding in Jesus Christ. Nourished up in his words of holy truth. Amen? Praise God. God bless you and want to encourage you to email us if you have any prayer requests. Info at safeguardyoursoul.com will be just fine. Info at safeguardyoursoul.com. Feel free to visit safeguardyoursoul.com and God bless you. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month. 
and your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.